But I think it's because d deep down, everyone wants to play metal. Good afternoon, good evening, good metal. My name's Coop and welcome to the Spoken Metal Show. Every once in a while I like to talk to people who have their own podcasts, who do their own shows and try and talk to them about kind of why they were doing it, what they, what they wanted it to be. And, and it's a wonderful time to share ideas and there's, there's, everybody should do a podcast. I know there's a lot out there, there's, there's crazy amounts out there, but everybody should do one in the same way. Everybody should write a book and everybody should record an album and all this type of things. I believe that, that I believe people should should chase anything that they, they are interested in. And they find out a lot about themselves, I think, when they do a podcast and it's nice to talk to, uh, as we do on this show, those music guys, Fal Caldwell and Mike Grubert, um, are just starting their journey as podcasters. And they've done several episodes in. I'm 130-something episodes in. Not that I'm any that means anything, but it's nice to talk to people and see what their expectations are and maybe share ideas and share some advice, maybe, if I can give any advice, if I'm in any position to give advice. But it's nice to do that and talk to, to people. And that's what I'd like to do quite a lot. I want to talk to people who do other podcasts, even if it's not metal-based. Sometimes it can be interesting. There can be some wonderful lines where they kind of interchange and cross over, which is nice. And it's nice to talk to other podcasters and appear on, on their shows. And I'm more than open to doing that. I've been on a few people's shows now and really enjoyed the experience of letting someone else into the world of metal and the world of what I do and, and show another side that they may haven't considered before. I really enjoy the episodes I've been listening to by those music guys so far, and I would suggest you do so too. Within the show, we talk about various episodes that are good jumping off points and good starting points for you if you want to go and listen to them. But this chat was really nice. The, uh, underneath, there are metal guys as well, which we talk about. I call them those metal guys. And it's nice to talk about how metal infuses itself in with other genres and how it stays alive and how it becomes the next evolution of what it is. And it's really interesting to see that take on different forms within different genres of music. I really enjoyed this conversation. And as always, if you want to get in touch with me and you have a podcast and you want to appear on the show or you want me to appear on your show, please, you know, you know the social socials that you can get in touch with. Get in touch and we can have a conversation and we can set that up. It'd be uh, great to hear from everybody. So this is my chat with Fal Colwell and Mike Gruber from Those Music Guys. Ladies and gentlemen, it's nice to... Um to have the hosts of those music guys on the show. Please welcome Mike Rubert and Fal Caldwell. How are you doing, guys? All right. Good, man. Thank you. How are you? I'm all right. For the purposes of this show, you are those metal guys, though. And that way, you know, <laughs> Great. We, we, can, we can get around any, anybody that's like, well, they don't always talk about metal. It's like, yeah, no, no, I think they do. I think they do. <laughs> we mention Metallica like every episode, so we do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, fucking hell, you do. I I but think I think we I think we started it because of Metallica. Yeah. I think I think we started it because of Metallica, did we? I think we we started it. Uh, well, we started it just to just to do something, just so we had like <laughs> a, a regular piece of content going out that w that required you know not like too much kind of budget. And then yep. we realised that we were uh, 
we were we were having to schedule in certain conversations one of like in life one of which was metallica and we're like we should just record this and put it out and have that as a piece of content yeah i think it's because like our girlfriends had to put up with us talking about metallica a lot (laughs) so we were like we'll we'll talk about this some other time you know if we if we start down that down that route and then we'd start scheduling it in and then that eventually became a podcast (laughs) i think that's what happened (laughs) we we don't quite remember it and we're only like 28 episodes in i've been working my way back and uh, I think the fifth episode you talk about S and M two. That was one of the first ones I heard. Then the latest one was with Liam from Unearthed, and that was fabulous as well. And it's just nice to, you know, I was saying off off the show here. Yeah, it's just nice to listen to you already evolving into what it will become. You get more comfortable. The chemistry is kind of there, like you know. And it's nice, like you say, it seems very organic. It seems to just like this is just two guys who would have had this conversation anyway. It just happens that it's recorded. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, when when we were first talking about doing a podcast, my original idea was like just to do one like about our favorite albums. And then Mike, I think rightfully so, was like, "That's a shit idea." No <laughs> one wants to listen. To- I don't even want to listen to me talking. <laughs> um, I don't think I was that harsh about it. I think I think I I would have been more polite than than oh, what you described. You're pretty aggressive, Mike. Isn't you? Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> but then uh but then yeah you might you came up with the idea of like well what if it's like a what if it's a bit more topical than that and then we fucked around with a few things and landed on the the idea of doing talking about an album talking about a band and then talking about a topic and Mm -hmm. then yeah just kind of naturally we were like well what if we got guests on and like just did a full topic episode and now we're even we've got loads of bands that want to come on now which are going to go i think more into like the kind of interviewee thing i think we're going to put that out as like spotlight specials where mm. it gives bands and artists a chance to talk about themselves that seems like a really um, a really great approach is that you know don't be too close as to what the, this podcast will be you know it's not it, it's this this is the box it's in forever it's nice that you're going okay well listen a band wants to come on hey let's let's talk talk about them because there's going to be all kinds of jump off points. You know, quite often when I'm doing interviews myself, we'll start one place and go totally a, a place we didn't even think of before. And they're the best shows. The shows, ladies and gentlemen, that I think you should check out. Obviously, number five was the SM one. I absolutely have to check that out. Uh, 14 with Lucy, I thought was really good and talking about the survival of the uh, of the scene in your particular area, which I thought was was superb. Really, really good episode. And I would strongly recommend people check that out. I'll put links on the show as well. And I suppose I love how nerdy, you know, love how nerdy you've gone with it. You know like which which, which what we talk about. Fucking right. Like I don't fucking know any of this shit. This, this... <laughs> There's no one gonna. It's like, look, if we start talking about Metallica, I'm, I'm fucking, I will go, and so will you guys. <laughs> we could do a whole Metallica episode. So yeah, I, it's only because, to, to be honest with you, five, it's because it, it's enjoyable. You know, quite often podcasts, if you don't get it in the first sort of 20, 30 minutes of the people, you don't like like what they're saying or the the cadence of how they talk. You know, it can sometimes be a bit of a turn off and just go, ah, this isn't for me. This line of comedy isn't. But you two guys have that. That Mancunian sort of outlook and the deadpan humour, completely up my road. Like, yeah, completely up my road. I love the thing about being on your podcast right now is that when you say S&M, everyone knows what you're talking about. Oh, yeah. Sorry, we'd yeah, we'd have to explain that on our one because yeah, yeah. not everybody would know. Yeah. Yeah. And for, to be fair, with our one, it could mean either, you know. 
<laughs> well, that's the thing, though. You, you know, that's a you give yourselves a pretty big remit. You call those music guys, and that's like that's fucking massive because even in my world of metal is still massive. Yeah, there's probably about a hundred metal podcasts. Christ knows how many sound and music ones there are. There must be fucking millions. So it's like it's going to be it's it's difficult to to stand out and kind of do that. But I think where's your yours works and where I think the listeners uh, who are listening now will, will will understand is that it seems really genuine. You know, you seem to really uh, care about what you what you ever you're talking about. You know, and that's that I think is probably the the, the best thing of all. You know. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, like I think, you know, when we do it, when we do the the you know, the first two thirds of each episode when it's just me and Mike, when, you know, Mike's talking about a new album and I'm talking about a new artist and that we, we do always, we try um, to broaden it, be as broad as we can, you know, or as varied as we can rather in terms of uh, topics and uh, sorry, in terms of style and genre with the, with those areas. And we'll always go for stuff. Like we, we make a point in saying in episodes that that part of the episode we're not going to do a review of an album or a, review, or a review of a band and give it a bad review. We're only going to talk about stuff we like, and we do like try to be really positive about it. And then when we get onto the quote the topic part of it, it's like you say, yeah, it's it's something that, and we don't always agree. And sometimes we actually have we have debate episodes where yeah yeah <laughs> we're arguing uh, where we're like we'll start having a debate in a pub. We're like whoa whoa whoa, pause this, let's record it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And then we get to carry on liking each other because, if we're gonna, you know, yeah. it's, a, it's an official debate rather than, you know, <laughs> a, pers- a personal thing. Yeah. We always, it's yeah, nice like, that. That's, always that's nice that you can, we can live in a world where you can argue about something as simple as an album and not fall out as friends. You know, I think that that, that can probably move out to the rest of, of humanity, that you can actually have a conversation and you can disagree which is the best Metallica album. And still come away not fighting and not being un- unhappy. I think that's a I really. Think, I think I think we would fight on that one. It's a good. <laughs> <laughs> we've, yeah, we've, we're, ladies and gentlemen, we'll have to come back and do some kind of Metallica special again, which will probably be your about fourth or fifth one, and mine about ten or twelfth one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, it's interesting though that when you when you listen to the, the show, it's so varied the music you touch on. So it could be Bruno Mars, Metallica. It could be everything from there, and I think it's interesting that. Some people have trouble who, with people who listen to all kinds of music, which is always really just because I can't really get my head around it. That someone can say, I only listen to metal. You know, when we all know that most metal bands that we listen to don't just listen to metal themselves. Yeah. You know, this comes up a lot when we talk about with artists who tour, who say before they go on stage, quite often they don't listen to the music that they play. And it's always interesting that I found, you know. Yeah, that's true. Um, although um, at um, one of the Metal Tomasses uh, gigs that we were at recently, we met a guy called Matt. I'll have to ch- just double check what his band was called, and maybe we could drop a link for that. Sure. Um, and uh, it was uh, it's quite funny. We were talking about there's that scene in the Blues Brothers where they're like, uh, "What kind of music have you got here?" And she goes, "Oh, we got both kinds, country and western." So we were, I was talking to this guy about how we're both into you know metal and non-metal, like those are the two genres. And um, he was, uh, we were trying to basically, it, t- it turned into a sort of game of like trying to guess, like he was trying to guess which would be my favorite metal bands from someone who <laughs> listens to a lot of mainstream stuff. And I was trying to guess what would be his favorite non-metal artists and right. bands. And uh, it, 
it was pretty easy to guess actually for both of us. So he was like, yeah, I guess you're going to be into uh, Devin Townsend. Um, I mean, we'd already mentioned Metallica, um, you know, the, the mainstream end of metal, but that's still amazing, you know, so System of a Down and Slipknot. Um, I like, yeah, Disturbed as well. I try and go and see them every time they uh, play Manchester. Um, and I, I wasn't surprised at all by his choices as well of, of stuff that he likes that's not metal. So Lady Gaga, Billie Eilish. Uh, Foo Fighters, um, yeah, I was, yeah, it's it's quite, it was quite easy to to guess because it's kind of like um, he said he likes anything that's theatrical as well, you know, any kind of theatrical type music. I think that's why he liked the whole Lady Gaga vibe, you know, because uh, when you go and see a metal band, um, yeah, if they've got some kind of big theatrical theme, that's always awesome, and that that's quite a. Uh, that's quite a popular thing in metal, isn't it? You know, mm. like, um, I'm not sure how you pronounce it. Fow, what was the Viking metal band that crazy in that we went to see? Uh, I, uh, I know it when I see it written down. Yeah, I've been trying uh, to pronounce it every time I read it. It was one of the guys, it was uh, one of the metal to the to the masses. Oh, band. right, well, one time once, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I but it's, it, it's, it's a Nordic name, you know. Right, right. Yeah, yeah and they, they come from is, is people like, like when people put an effort in, so you yeah. know when it's a stage show, people people actually put effort into, into the theatrics and, and everything, and there's, there's clear thought behind it. There's always that famous scene in, in a movie where someone does something, plays or sings something, and it's so good, Nos- everybody knows Nos- it's Nos- good. Henry. Pronounce that again? Sorry, sorry, I interrupted you while you were so talking there. Vilka Fenrika, I think it's pronounced. I know, yeah. yes, uh, yeah, yeah, I've seen them, yeah, a- yeah. Absolutely amazing live act. Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Really, like, it's, yeah. it's, uh, the, the, they've, they've really got it down. I mean, they're great musicians and their songs are great as well. Um, but the, my favourite thing about it is it's one of those total, like, uh, immersive experiences to watch them. They, they come on stage and there's, like, Viking shields, there's war paint, everything like that. Mm. Uh, and it, it really does, uh, it just puts you into this new world when you're watching it, you know, like, uh, and it, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I, I only really know Cray. I don't actually know the rest of the band, but I wouldn't be surprised if one of them, someone in the band has, has some kind of, um, other art form that they do, you know, some kind of visual mm-hmm. arts, you know, like I know like Rob Zombie's in dead into animation and, and sort of, uh, visual effects and things like that. And that comes through yeah. in his like in his live show. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if, if someone in the band has, has done, you know, has a background in, in some other thing that's not music, you know, or, or you know, something like that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's always great that when, when, when that mixes up as well, when there's a, a member of the band who's particularly arty and stuff, like, you know, Wes Borland comes to mind from Limp Bizkit, who, yeah. like, you know, is the, the things he does on stage and the outfits, he's, there's real thought into it, and he does a lot of the artwork for, for, for the albums and stuff, and it's always cool when that happens because... You know, it feels to me like it's claiming something back from the record label where like you know normally it used to be the record label handle the photos choose everything and now we've moved into an era where bands because it's very diy will because we'll, they'll do it all themselves they have way more control so you can get way more interest in artwork because it's a member of the band and it's just like a tune or a song or whatever they're putting it forward and if a band's willing to invest and make a bit of time and effort with that it really comes across like that's an excellent example yeah i saw them myself and i was really like wow that's totally going for it you know you're fully leading into that and and that and that's irresistible like i was saying it's like that moment in a movie where someone does something really good plays sings whatever really really well 
and everybody goes, oh, that's amazing. It doesn't matter what genre it was. It's that's amazing. Yeah. You know, I yeah. remember watching, um, you, if you guys always talk about Metallica, I'm always talking about Steve Vai, but there's a bit. Oh, in, yeah, I fucking love Steve Vai, yeah. With, with, with Steve Vai, where before um, uh, Ralph the Machaccio uh, playing uh, playing this young guitar player, he's at school learning guitar. In, in, in Crossroads, is that? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, and, yeah. He's, um, and, and he's watching a young uh, girl play this in, insanely large guitar and playing classical music. And it's not. And it was the first time I'd really heard classical music or uh, seen classical guitar. And she was absolutely fucking shredding on it, and it was amazing. And I was like, wow, that's just really good. I know it's classical and. My metal flag does not allow me to listen to that, but it's actually, it's amazing. And it opened up the doors to classical music and classical guitar playing, you know. It's like, when you see something so good, it becomes irresistible, you know, it really does. Yeah, and that and that and that's sort of how you end up, I guess, you know, uh, mixing genres and just being into all the all different types of genres. Mm. Well, I mean, it, it doesn't surprise me that people who are into metal uh, get into classical music as well, because a lot of metal... If you weren't listening to it and you just looked at the scores, it looks like classical music. You know the scale patterns and and things like that. Uh, it, it it does. Um, you know, compared to say blues, if you look at a score for a blues song, that looks way different from a piece of classical music. But you know, a, a score for something like um, you know Fear of the Dark by Iron Maiden, if you look at that written down, it just looks. It if you didn't know it was written for guitars and bass, you could go, oh, that could be for a string quartet. Do you ever like? Um, do, you, do you listen to much Apocalyptica? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I, about two or three days ago, dude, I think there was a live thing that's on YouTube, and I just ended up doing you know, when you fall down, you just watch the whole thing. It was yeah, just yeah. mesmerizing to me. I mean, because metal's got loads of entry points for classical music, like the other one being Randy Rhodes, you know, bringing a whole yeah, lot of classical yeah, yeah. stuff in, <clears throat> and I'm like, wow, okay. And then you get into like the Phrygian mode in, in, for guitar players where it's all this like, and you're like, oh, there's so much connecting tissue, you know, yeah. between heavy music and, and classical music. And I think you're 100% right. I think it's the coolest stuff in metal is when there's a little drop of something else goes in it. Yeah. Know? That's why yeah. we got all the different styles that we've got in metal. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, it's like, I mean, I, I, I always say like, I, I'm, I'm a metalhead and I'm also a pop princess. Um, I just, love any kind of cheesy well not necessarily cheesy but just any, any kind of pop music from the kind of cheesy stuff to the stuff that is a bit cooler as long as it's got like an awesome hook and like great you know great performance in it i love it and obviously whenever a metal track or a metal band becomes massive it's normally because they've got like an absolutely banging pop chorus in there yeah, um, mm. I, know, I know you touched on this with your uh, your, your interview with uh, JD from Fallen Void. You know, just about like when how commercial and like new metal was. Um, you know, at the at the start of the millennium, and I personally, I think that was when you look at the charts, that was like the last time that metal was like a massive genre that wasn't mm. the, just this thing that just metalheads and moshers likes. Like I remember being in school and like. All the scallies bullied us mosh a lot because, like, you know, because we were alternative. Fucking next week, they're all coming in with Limp Biscuit and Linkin Park t-shirts. Yeah, on. yeah. And um, and it's, yeah, that, that that was because, you know, they were putting that pop edge to it. And then, then another style of music that I absolutely love is hip-hop. And again, with new metal, they put that in there. So it's like they took, like, 
the three best genres, at least for, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Metal, hip hop, and pop, and just created like the most banging tunes you could ever hope for. Yeah. It's like we, it, it often comes up with where we talk, like we go through the chronologically history of metal and stuff. We always talk about punk and uh, metal getting together and and because of motorhead we allowed to like punk that but it's like yeah rap and um, kind of got involved with metal and then it, be, it must be really confusing to someone who doesn't like metal when someone like lincoln park comes along and they're like well actually i really like this this has got rapping and samples in and i like that world hold on yeah I yeah like this but i do you know and i'm i'm the same we, we often talk on the show about how hip-hop has the same energy as metal you know, the same kind of, you know, powerfulness and talking about yourself in a, in a, in a positive light and, you know, and, and supporting the things that you support. Like, you know, I talk about the Rizza and stuff like that. I've interviewed a, a, a gentleman involved with the Mutan clan and it does a similar energy. And it's those energies that will gravitate towards each other. You know, it will, it will happen. And you think like, we, we, I think you're probably right. That, that time frame was the last really big resurgence. I think there's another one here. I think the, what the Foo Fighters did really brought up uh, kind of rock and stuff. And then you look at something like Ghost, you know, recently, I think almost selling out the arena, uh, yeah. you know, and that's, although it looks very metal, there's a, there's a, there's a background of almost ABBA and pop to that, you know, and that's kind of storming the charts. And then you look at Bring Me the Horizon and then they get on stage and with Ed Sheeran, you know, so every so often uh, there's like a smashing grab with, with metal, where it kind of runs into a different genre, robs some stuff back from it, pulls a few people with it. And then they're like, oh, okay, oh, so, so we're into metal now. And like, yeah, you fucking are. Close the door. I've <laughs> got away with millions. <laughs> yeah, well, I think, I think that's actually being laid down by the pop artist. I think it's like, if you look at, like, not a fan of his music at all, um, but Machine Gun Kelly in, oh, his, yes. in his actual his style and obviously his, like, you know, bringing the pop punk and the rap thing together is introducing little kids kids and teenagers who might not have gotten into that stuff into that they're probably going back now and looking at like green day and blink 182 and stuff like that and getting into that then you got someone like do you know jerris johnson yes yeah yeah he's i'm like he's you know he's done a duet with uh with papa roach he's absolutely metal as fucking the way he sings like that yeah but it's you know got a proper pop production and stuff like that and then you know mike mentioned billy eilish like she is metal as fuck like you know yeah Dress, dresses like all the girls that I used to go to metal clubs with 20 years ago. Um, and even though she doesn't have guitars, her shit's like heavy. It's, re it's really heavy music. And I think I did a YouTube video on this a year or so ago during lockdown, just about how there isn't like that metal resurgence like coming, so coming. And I think it's actually being set up by, by, the, pop, by the pop stars, which is which is insane because that's never happened before. And I think that's fucking ace. Yeah. Well, I think it's because d deep down, like everyone wants to play metal. Like, you know, like, <laughs> and I, I think way, the way, I have to look for the sample I put at the beginning of the show. Mike, you've just given me. That. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's because, and I think, uh, I think it, this probably sounds odd, but I think this comes from like the Bill and Ted movies or whatever inspired that because like, when people think of performing on stage, uh, even if they're not into guitar music, they're, they're thinking that everyone, well, I mean, everyone likes playing air guitar. You know, like when they're singing along to a song, that like they automatically start doing a bit of what they think is air guitar. And, uh, and then when people, you know, when you're like, uh, when 
when people think of like oh what it would be like to play guitar they always think of the bill and tad riff you know so i think that's what it is is really everyone just wants to be bill and tad and be play, you know be saving the world with like a with a proper bit of shredding i think, I think I that's think what it comes well. down to <laughs> deep, deep down in grain deep down in grade i think it's even deeper than that I think <laughs> when when, <laughs> when you when you listen to something heavy there is an irrepressible movement that happens. We call it headbanging, but that kind of, you know, nodding is just that face we put on, you know, that grimace we put on. It's it's something it's something primordial. It comes from. I was watching a couple of days ago. I was watching a Jay Z thing about it being in the studio. Someone suggested to watch it because it was going about production bits and pieces. And he was the particular song come on, and he was fucking headbanging. It was his song, but he was headbanging because it was so. It was so kind of, you know, primordial, just this, like, nodding to the beat of something. I think it's so ingrained. It's It, it goes way deeper than, than, than most music, you know. It's it, it's one of those things, I think, when anybody wants to have a, a to appear cool or a bit edgy or a bit kind of tough, they'll they'll rob from the metal world. They'll put it, you know, you think about, we, we had, like, ripped jeans robbed, you know. Yeah. We had leather jackets robbed, yeah. you know what I mean. We had t- tattoos on your head robbed pearsons robbed and they just take the bits and pieces and, and go and that's the other end of the smash and grab they take their own of it anybody wants to be like appear cool they just get on stage with a metal band you know because there's something inherently inevitably cool about four guys or whatever four people in a band you know in a tour bus going around the world playing music yeah i mean uh i think i think now we're, we're going into like you know uh like where metal just keeps like just popping up in 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 uh, in general culture, and um, it, it's even things like uh, like you know Christopher Lee's got a metal track because <laughs> yeah, you watch well. Lord of the Rings, everyone in that film is metal as fuck. <laughs> you know, like, the Hobbits, like they look they look like they're about to go to metal to the masses and rock out. Uh, I mean the the orcs. I mean I that. I wouldn't want to be in a pit with the orcs. It's black metal. The yeah, orcs yeah. Black metal. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's, so it's, it's, it's everywhere. It's yeah. like the biggest black metal vocalist that never did an album. Because <laughs> <laughs> he can't sing; it's just an eye. So it's like <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, looks like a metal mouth. Actually, he looks like a metal mouth that's doing like a growl. <laughs> Yeah, it's like you, you're telling me they were listening to metal when they were doing those fight scenes. You, yeah. You're fucking, you, you're kidding. You know is, what I mean? Is there I'm an overdub? Oh, no, that's what we were listening to. Has anyone overdubbed it? Like, is there also uh, nothing on YouTube I, yeah, where it's like me. Metal Lord of the Rings or or Metal Game of Thrones or something like that? Yeah, they must have done. They must have done. But like Christopher Lee, oh, he's done like a, this symphonic metal album. Yeah, really? yeah. But unbelievable, you know, unbelievable. But I think, like, you know, like you were saying, Far, it's like about Machine Gun Kelly, you know, love him or hate him, and, you know, he's not someone I really kind of get anything from. But, you know, he's probably, yeah, he's probably paved the way for people going, well, actually, what Machine Gun Kelly is talking about metal. Maybe I should Spotify metal and see what's going on with metal. And if we gain two or three people from that, we've won. You know, that's fine. He can have his little dalliance with it and dip in and out of it, and and that's fine. Well, if we get pull some people over who actually go and listen to stuff you know you might find that there's a whole other world to explore you know that's you know certainly that's how i found it how i found new music was starting with one band and kind of 
went to hmm. others, you know what I mean, from that. I mean, it's a bit more extreme in his case because he's one genre to another. But we could certainly pull some people over. Yeah, definitely. And um, I think you were saying before that there's, uh, there's a lot of entry points to metal. You know, yes. like, um, you always get a... The, you, if you name any genre of music... I suppose this applies to, to any genre anyway, but if you name any genre of music, there's a metal band who are dead into that genre, you yeah. know? So I've, I've played in a lot of like funk and soul and hip hop bands. And um, when people are dead into that music and they might have in their head an idea of what metal's like, and I'm like, well, but have you heard Skin Dread? Yeah. And all of a sudden they're like, oh, cool. Now I've got a favorite metal band. And you can do that. I bet you can do that with any genre of music. That that just happens to be like what, what what's happened with the people I've played with. I've I've ended up playing with with you know people who are dead into funk and hip hop and soul and stuff. And that for them it was Skin Dread. But I bet if you were in like um, an orchestra, you'd playing classical music, you'd go, "Oh, listen to this band." You know, may, maybe it would be Dream Theater or something like that. Mm. Um, but yeah, I bet any any genre you can go. Oh, this is your new. This is going to be your new favorite metal band. You know. Yeah, I, I, I would put. I would argue. I don't know if you both would agree with this. I would argue that metal is the one where we're, we're constantly trying to recruit people to listen to it. I mean, everybody's <laughs> got a, a song that they want to go listen to this song, listen to that song. But with metal, it seems almost like fervent. You were like, you must fucking listen to this band, yeah. like you know, like uh, like religious fanatics knocking on your door and like, excuse me, <laughs> yeah. would you like to talk about metal? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it's more like that these days. I do you not remember the days of like proper gatekeeping though. Of when, oh, yeah. like, no, this is my fucking band. This is yeah. my metal band, and only me and a select number of other people are allowed to be into it. And if that fucking poser over there gets into it, they can fuck off. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, not as many of those attitudes around today. Um, yeah. I think people are being a bit more open-minded. Probably, ironically, probably because of the internet, people are actually being more open-minded. Um, but there is definitely, I mean, I don't know, I might be wrong here, but I remember seeing that. To be fair, I remember be, being one of those cunts, like, who was like, <laughs> trying to be a gatekeeper, going like, no, you're, you're not allowed to be into metal because yeah. you're into something else. Thankfully, I've outgrown that phase almost. But you, <laughs> when you grow up, don't you, you kind of realise that it, it doesn't, if lots of people into your thing, it doesn't necessarily take away from your thing. It doesn't, you know, as long as the band themselves maintain their identity, then it doesn't, we, we what it is, is we assume popularity with, with, co with content and quality, but the two can sometimes be collective together. Look at someone like, you know, Led Zeppelin, ABBA, the Beatles. These are, these like, they're just recognized to be good. Pink Floyd's not a genre. It's Pink Floyd, you know, it's, because it's really good. You know, but we think that, well, if so many people like Pink Floyd, they can't be that good. Why Why is that? And what it is, is I think that occasionally it does happen where it, it, it kind of dilutes what they're doing. You know, watching the punk documentary a couple of weeks ago where they were talking about how you know, Green Day started off as this kind of DIY punk band playing whatever they wanted. And then when they kind of exploded, they got almost took out of their hands and then they're playing something that they don't want to play anymore. It's completely, you know, removed from what they were trying to do. And that's what I think people fear. They think, okay, well, if, if lots of people like my thing, my thing will get taken away. But we talk about Metallica, and Metallica are a perfect example. Yes, they're not playing Kill 'Em All stuff anymore, the, the, you know, except live, obviously. But now they've evolved into something else. But you would argue that the DNA is pretty much kept fairly consistent. It's a couple of dips, you know, but it's, it's remained fairly consistent. And that's the problem is that people, the reason gatekeepers see it as 
Um, if a lot of people like something, it mustn't be good. And we, we all know that that's just not the case. Yeah, yeah, defo. I think it comes from a fear, which is, like you, you know, you just touched on, there's definitely some le- legitimacy to this, is the fear of corporatization of it. Of, mm. you know, it um, either, you know, like you said with Green Day, like if there's a, a an act that is kind of forced to change because of a label, or just the kind of a scene or a, or a genre in itself kind of gets hijacked for corporate purposes. Like um, I remember, I mean, God, I'm going back years now, but it was, um, there was a, a Budweiser advert um, at, and it was at a gig and like the waiter is crowd surfing uh, <laughs> Budweiser to the band or something like that. And um, Billy Corgan did a thing on stage kind of saying like, look, we all used to love crowd surfing when it was underground. But when Jim Carrey's doing it on Saturday Night Live and when it turns up in a fucking Budweiser advert, you know mm. crowd surfing is dead. Um, <laughs> and the thing is that I, I, on the one hand, I'm kind of like, well, no, that there's no should or shouldn't about how one should feel about anything. Like if something's corporatized, it, that doesn't mean you can't still enjoy it. But then at the same time, I can understand like it being like, oh, it's... It's just kind of like soulless now. Yeah. Is that the sound of the train, Mike? Yeah. That was a train, yeah, for sure, yeah. I love that. Mike, I Mike went to the metal spirit. with guitars that, that, that is seemingly right next door to Victoria Station. Like. Yeah. It's it's actually literally on the other side of this, this wall here is a train track. <laughs> That's, there's a wall there and then there's a train track right next to it there's nothing else in between like uh... that's, the, that's the most metal place to <laughs> next to maybe a building site with drills it's still yeah yeah metal site. but yeah i think oh, i think you're completely right i think that it's it's just interesting that, that you know i think the trees of a particular genre are trimmed quite nicely by themselves sometimes. So like you say, the minute something appears in a commercial, people go, okay, well, I'm not going to do that anymore because it's not that cool anymore. The reason I think kind of stage diving and sort of that type of thing fell out was because of a safety thing. It became like, you know, too many people were getting hurt and, and some venues didn't even understand the concept of it and thought that when people were moshing or doing like a wall of death, that it was incredibly dangerous when in reality they just didn't understand what was going on. And, you know, and I think what happens is it, it trims the, the, the branches quite nicely. The minute something becomes, it's very overt, like if it comes on an advert or something like that, I think people just stop and move away from it and it can naturally does that. It's a shame, but, you know, it's part of the evolution of a particular thing, you know. There was a time, you know, back in a long, long time ago where there wasn't even any security barriers or anything at a gig and people could get on the stage and jump off at a la Pantera, you know what I mean? You could see those videos of those shows and people are just jumping around now. You get Someone gets on stage, you know, they're liable to get ejected from the venue and, and, and you know, that's it for them, you know, whether they meant good or not because we live in a world now where people can get onto stage and, and really hurt someone, or in the case of, like, we're talking about Pantera and Dying by yeah. getting shot, you know, so it kind of, it naturally evolves for better or worse. Yeah, I, f- I think, um, and, and it, it can depend on, like, uh, you know, if, if people from the metal scene probably understand things, well, if you're from the metal scene, you understand how it all works, so you'll understand things like, in the pit, if someone falls over, you pick them up. You know, um, but once uh, there's been times when I've been at a gig, like I went to see uh, when I was a teenager, I was at an Oasis gig and there was a pit. Mm. And um, I think 
maybe as a, like a lot of the Oasis fans, maybe had got the wrong idea of what a pit's supposed to be like. I think they'd, yeah. because there there's like a more of a crossover with like people who are like, you know, more like a football sort of crowd. Mm-hmm. So the, there were people falling over in the pit and they weren't getting helped back up. And I think that they'd got the wrong idea of what a pit was supposed to be like. They were spo- they thought it was supposed to be like a bit of a, like survival of the fittest sort of thing. But it's it's more supposed to be like, you know, just an overly enthusiastic cuddle, really, isn't it? That's what I always thought it is. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so, That's what my girlfriend calls sex. <laughs> oh, no. But it's, yeah, it's like, you know, because some of these people get onto that particular genre of music, weren't there as it was evolving? You know, you think, you know, Moshin and, 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 and Pitts came from, like, the punk days of Pogoing and stuff like that. It just, you know, it branched out because it was, like you say, a euphoric response to what was going on with the music. And then, you know, uh, over time, people fell over and we realised that we need to pick them up. And then it was like, well, can we go in a circle? Okay, let's do a circle. Okay, well, what happens when there's a gap in the middle of the circle? Okay, let's spread the circle and run against each other. And it's kind of evolved over shows and festivals when it became... And to, to Metalhead, who's like been 10 years, 15, 20, 30 years listening to Metal, they've seen that. So it's all, oh, I understand what this is and understand what that is. Yes. Someone coming into that world, that's going to seem really weird. You know, it's going to yeah. be like, hold oh, on, that guy's just pushed me. My inherent response is to push that fucker back. You know, it's like they don't understand where it was coming from. They kind of jumped on an already moving train, you know? Yeah. In all fairness, Noel Gallagher knew what was up. Uh, he was <laughs> He was like... You know, he, he actually just in between songs was like, make sure in the pit, if someone falls over, you help them back up. Other than that, yeah. you can go fucking nuts. And that's because he's best mates with Lars Ulrich. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah. and Lars Ulrich finally makes his appearance on the show. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking off the show, ladies and gentlemen, uh, on, on, on sort of the social media about how, how Lars Ulrich appeared in in both the Anvil documentary and then obviously the uh, some kind of monster documentary. Yeah, and we, Get him we, to the Greek. It just seems to be the connected tissue for every single metal band that's ever existed. He just <laughs> pops up going, going, oh, you never something you've never done before. He's like, give it <laughs> And now he's on this show. We, I know we talked about Lars before, like many times. And it, one, once again, we talk about someone who, you know, divides the community almost <laughs> right down the middle, you know. I For my birthday, <laughs> Far got me a picture of Lars. What was the picture of though? It's like, just a picture of Lars posing in a. He's quite young in the picture, isn't he? As well, he's right. um, like at home. It's not here, but um, at the moment, it's quite funny because it's it's. Uh, I've, Laura also got me a really nice painting of the two of us that her friends done, right, and right. and because those both those pictures are waiting to be put up. But at the moment, because those pa- both pictures are waiting to be put on the wall, they're next to each other. So there's a really nice painting of me and Laura together. And then Lars just next to it like this. It's great. Does so someone come into your house? It's like, what What the fuck is this guy? You did your brother or your dad? Or... Yeah, yeah. Yes, and I'm like, mom. oh, no, uh, but we'll explain that later. Do you know what else he's in? He's in, um, he's in Get, Get Him to the Greek, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, I remember seeing that. And he, yeah. I think he's, he's on the phone, isn't he, saying, I, I, and she was, I'm seeing Lars Yorick now, and I remember my ears pricking up. I wasn't properly watching it. Yeah, yeah. And then she's in bed with him, and I was like, yeah. what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. I don't I, know who, whose idea that was, but it was a great one. Genius. Yeah. yeah. Genius. Because <laughs> there's no like, escaping you know, him. You can't escape Lars. Yeah. He, he's, he, love or hate him, and like I say, he does divide the community. I don't think there's... You know, of the shortlist of people who, who are in massive bands, he's one of those guys who's been 
constant defender of the scene and a constant defender of the music. You're almost to a fault. You know, uh, you, you only have to look at Napster and the things where he was trying to yeah. change some things. You know, love him or hate him, I genuinely think he's, he believes in the scene and believes in the music still, which after all this time is quite something he, that you could normally become jaded to, you know? Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. He's, he's the one member of Metallica that, like, goes to Glastonbury every year to like to you know just as a as a fan to check it you know just to check out the big bands and check out new bands and stuff like that and like you said you brought up the Napster thing and he was like obviously fucking vilified back then for how he responded to it and obviously there's there's an argument to say like yeah maybe literally suing fans isn't <laughs> <laughs> knocking on the, the door way. and suing them yeah, yeah. yeah wasn't the best way to deal with it but it was like, well, look at it now. Now, like, no one can sell any music. Oh, it's very, very, very difficult to. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I, uh, I, I used to be in, like, two, two minds about Lars. When I was first getting into Metallica, I was like, God, he does seem a bit obnoxious. And then I watched just a few more interviews with him. I was like, oh, no, he's the greatest man alive. <laughs> I'm just swing so, right away, I'm, swing I'm just so pro Lars, and I actually fucking lost my shit when we watched the Anvil documentary when it first came out because he's he is in that. If you watch the extras on the DVD, there's an extended interview, and he mentions my hometown of Macclesfield. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah, I was I was watching it, and he says uh, he says something like, "Oh, Jerry, you know, you you get a band who's like, you know, like." really good but and it turns out that you know they just like work in a chip shop in macclesfield (laughs) (laughs) amazing yeah it's true he's misunderstood what's interesting though is that let's just let's just put this in a little timeline and see what you think so back then during sorts of music for nations and tape trading was rife and the only way you could hear a metal band or whatever you know we could hear slayer and metallica was via tape trading which lars was a big fan of he'd get mm. the stuff from diamond head sent over and he would listen to them and motorhead and he, and he would tape trade and everything and we go a little bit longer and then napster comes along which is streaming music for free of artists and he kicks off and that in itself is weird because it's like you were kind of already doing that then the world kicks off and says, no, 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 you, you know, you, you're only in it for the money and blah, 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 and whatever it may be, uh, you know, you vilified stream and, and all the rest of it. Now we've got to the streaming situation where it's been corporationized, if you will, where this Spotify and whatever, all these various streaming medias, where we know that the artist doesn't get paid. We know they're not really making that much money from them. Is that almost like a corporate version of what he was fighting against? Maybe. I'll put it out there. Maybe the reason why it, it the the model were got kind of like put to one side is because the corporate side of music wanted that model, and they were just waiting to see what happened with Lars. Then you started to push this Spotify and and that type of thing, and they knew they were like, hold on a second, if we can do this and still make money and cheat the fucking artist out of stuff, maybe that's the way forward. Are we seeing late stage capitalism streaming music? Oh yeah, hundred <clears> percent. <throat> Enough, I was um, talking to our friend Andrew Pimblot, who has been on our, on our show and uh, mixes a lot of the music that we do. Um, he uh, he was um, chatting to a, a producer the other day about, and I, I actually didn't realize this, 
but I think it's uh, it's either Warner Brothers or Universal. I think I think it's Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers owns forty percent of Spotify, and um, Sony owns twenty percent. So Daniel Eck is like the face of it all. Who we we've slagged Daniel Eck off on the show loads of times, but he's really just kind of the face of it all. It is actually the labels that own it. So when mm. they do like New Music Friday, it's the biggest con ever because the forty percent of New Music Friday is Warner Brothers artists that they're pushing that week, and twenty percent is Sony artists that they're pushing that week. Um, like I don't like I know some or what seem to be independent artists do get on New Music Friday, but e- um, that must be a case of either they're like, look, we need to put a couple of independent artists on so that people think it's like, you know, actually fair, or actually they're not really independent artists and Warner Brothers have already signed them and just haven't like made it public. It, it could be e- either of those things. Um, but yeah, the fact that the la- major labels own the biggest streaming service in the entire world, they have the power to give the money to the artists <clears> fairly, and and they, and they don't. And it's like independent artists. It's like fucking hell. We're we're going to put music up on a service that's just owned by labels that wouldn't that don't give a wouldn't even give a flying fuck about signing us. We're just all we're doing for any for anyone that does stream is whether you're getting you know hundred streams or hundred thousand streams, which is a fucking achievement getting a hundred thousand streams. It's like it's just fucking two major labels that are that are, that are, that are benefiting from it. So yeah, I'd say it's like fucking peak capitalism. Yeah, yeah. I think that it's a it, it's 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 sad, but all it is is really is what was going on in the music industry forever. You know, oh, record yes, labels no no really don't have interest in, in artists. The larger ones, it's it this seen as a money making thing. You know, it's a and I think there's, there's sort of two ways you can look at it. There's some good videos about why you should not use Spotify anymore. And and I think that that's probably the wrong way of looking at it. I think that, you know, the, the devil is here and he means business and he's here to stay. I think that to completely disassociate yourself from it is probably a foolish move. Um, I think it should be used as a barometer and maybe an entry point. But I know a lot of bands who have their music on there, don't make anything from it. But because of that, they can do things separately through Bandcamp and through kind of patrons and things like that where they've actually you know monetized what they do so they can earn money from it you know there's a Nin Karsag are a good example of a band that do that where they do really good merch and really good sort of record designs and things like that and they sell it independently but Spotify is just (sighs) an entry point in the same way that you know MTV when it played videos and music videos the artist didn't get anything from that but people went to their shows because of that you know, and and we've always we've always had that. I think it's just it now it stinks because it's so it's so obvious. Like the guy that owns Spotify is worth more than Paul McCartney. It's like then you know it's not about music. You know, yes. so it's it's tough, but it's and it's a bitter pill to swallow. But I think to completely ignore it and not have it as a platform is possibly not the way forward. I think you should it should be one part of your whole strategy as a band about you put yourselves forward i don't know what do you guys think well you know you were saying about tape trading i think that mm. and and then how um you know how now and how so you you were saying about tape trading and then if i you know you were saying about how um you know uh, basically uh, the labels now own spotify and these streaming services it, it kind of sounds like um uh what's happened is with tape trading it could all be done like under the radar offline just between fans 
Mm-hmm. So you've got bands and fans all trading their music with each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's now is as soon as uh, this does prove my theory that Lars can see into the future. Um, <laughs> what's what's now happened with streaming is that a big tech company can just take over the the distribution of music. So the mm-hmm. difference between two fans swapping tapes and there's no record label and no tech company involved. The difference between that and, and what Spotify is, which is where when you want to send someone a, a playlist or, you know, you want to recommend some music to someone, it's got to go through those streaming services. Yes. It's got to go yeah. through the, the, the bigger tech companies, you know, Spotify, Amazon, YouTube. Um, so that, you know, the, the, I think, I think it's one of those things that because like everyone's, we are, it, everyone is talking about it, fans and artists. I think it will sort itself out. And I, I think we will start just going, you know what? We don't need, we don't need Spotify or YouTube or Amazon to actually send each other music. You know, we'll, we'll probably, we probably will just, we can send each other files we can send each other CDs, tapes, you know, um, and we can do it offline um, and we, or we can do it digitally, but without a big tech company. You know, I, I think that's probably how it'll end up is bands will have their own streaming site or something like that, you know. <clears throat> I think uh, if I had to give a simile, if, you, if I see it this way, I see streaming services is alcohol and um, the kind of independence scene, if you will, tape trading, if you will, is cannabis. Yeah. Is that, you know, it's it's easy to make money off alcohol. You can tax it. There's various things you can do, licensees, that type of thing. And cannabis is is getting that way. You know, the, the legalization of it, the decriminalization of it exists and, and is existing and is obviously moving forward as we realize that the only reason alcohol is more popular is because it's a taxable, taxable drug is it's the same thing. It's all to do with money. It's all to do with the monetization of it. During tape trading, record labels were making money. During streaming, they are. And and it's and I think you're right. Absolutely agree with you, Mike. I think it will work itself out. It's how long it takes, and we have to kind of beat the technology sometimes before it kind of gets older it again and we get set back. But it is like one step forward and two back. But we are moving forward. It's just that you know, Zappa does quite a few videos. Zappa talking about what is essentially the patron model that we use, where you people will uh, will kind of interact with the artist without anybody else involvement and that's a very healthy thing and i know quite a few bands now that pre-pandemic do do it do looked into it and post-pandemic have now have the ability to to live by it i'm interested gents you both play guitar and, and, and musicians who teach as well um how's that been like pre-pandemic and then post-pandemic in in, in this recent world well we we teach in different slightly different ways um so i have you like fire you work for like a company don't you yeah i'm i'm the corporate side <laughs> um, do you want to, what do you want to do you want to talk about your business mike and i'll talk about mine well so my my business quote unquote is this room uh which i'll give you a quick flip around now uh so um like uh, so i have just my own students um and i mean before the pandemic i did have a couple of other tutors involved but i just when it started i just passed the students on to them and said they're your students now you know you don't work you know you can just have them and they'll pay you directly you keep the money because um i used to have another couple of rooms like this set up for for tutors but uh in terms of how it affected um you know people learning music most of my students just carried on online uh, with a, with a setup like what we've got here now, um, and if anything, I was busier because there'd be things like you know someone would be learning to play guitar, and then like their brother or sister's 
would want to join in as well. And then their mum or dad would as well because everyone's stuck at home. So there were loads of adults that were like, you know, I've, my kids having lessons. I've always wanted to learn. And they started having lessons during the pandemic. Um, um, everyone was practicing more. All my students were practicing more. Uh, so if anything, it did, it did add a bit of simplicity to people's lives that meant, you know, more people were playing music and, and people were, were doing it, were spending more time on it. You know, I suppose it was different for you, Far, because, you know, you do, you do the school thing, you know. Yeah, so I, I, I run a music service that teaches lessons in schools uh, and we have a load of tutors that work for us. So we were hit hard like overnight, you know, when, when lockdown happened, we, you know, all of our tutors were out of work and they're all, they're all self-employed contractors. So, you know, there was nothing that could be done. We, um, we kind of had a core team that were able just to get a bit of money in, we kind of did um, a, a, a subscription video service, uh, but it kind of it went against our whole business model, really. But there was there was kind of nothing else we could do, um, and that kind of just kept our head above above water. Um, I think in the in, in the long run, uh, the uh, the tutors um, did a similar thing to Mike, whereas they they started teaching um, over Zoom. You know, a lot of them were able to survive that way, and thankfully because everyone was indoors, there was a big boom in people learning, learning instruments. Um, Mike was already in a, a fairly strong position because he already had a really good um, a business teaching one-to-one lessons. A lot of our tutors just worked for us, so it was a big change. Um, but then since um, we've schools reopened and stuff like that, we've actually um, come back stronger than ever. Like this last year has been... Um, uh, we almost almost twice as good as it as the year before the pandemic um and i think that is a case of a um schools like wanting just desperate for normality so they're like look we've got to get these clubs rolling again and we're going to really push them because uh because you know we we want to sort of have that fun again in school and that normality of doing extracurricular stuff and things like that and then i think also you know Maybe a bit of, and I'm, I'm just speculating here, but maybe kind of a bit of like, you know, um, parents realizing, you know, life's, life's short. It's, it's, you know, you've, um, you never know what's around the corner. So let's, let's learn these skills while we, while we can. So they're being a bit more encouraging of, of the kids to pick up instruments and, and come and stuff like that. So, so far post pandemic, even though not really post-pandemic we're still in it we've just decided that it, to ignore it um we're actually we are actually doing strongly but during during lockdown that was that was hard i, I think ladies and gentlemen, i mean there's an enormous amount to unpack there first of which being ladies and gentlemen this is the content that you will you will hear on the show that yes there's it makes me laugh i, I laugh when i listen to the show but I think the point of views that Mike and Far have are, are, are vastly interesting. Did you hear the handoff Mike give to Far as well? See, there's a chemistry there, ladies and gentlemen, that you'll enjoy as well. Like you, superb and nice, smooth, and it's it's really interesting. <laughs> Gents, you are already you're already a team. It's fantastic. But I just want to ask what no music in schools, music in schools, is that? And forgive me for saying this, is that still a thing? Is that is the music lessons? Is it going on? Is the teaching going on, or what? Yeah, like more more than ever. I mean, wow. um, yeah, like guitar is the most it's the most popular instrument to learn now. I think it was something around 20, 2015 or twenty sixteen. It overtook piano as the most 
learned wow. is the most learned instrument in and outside of schools. Um, but yeah, it's it's to, it's totally maybe so. maybe that's the the, the the next this evolution that we talk about within music is is one of those is you know there's the a technology movement forward where we go okay well more people are going to learn guitar because it's more accessible and more available from everything from a school level to being able to go on the internet and, and, and get lessons from someone like Mike about how to do that. It's all more accessible. Maybe they are the seeds of the metal band that starts up two years later from the kid that learns to play bass or learns to play drums or whatever. And he starts a band and we're planting seeds now that will eventually bloom into this thing. I, I was on a show uh, yesterday where we talked about that, you know, in times of conflict, in times of difficult times for human kind great music is often produced uh, to kind of almost counter that you know and i think that as much as there's been an incredibly dark side of the, the pandemic and there is and it's and it's, it was a horrible thing that we should also remember that there will be some things that are amazing that will come from it and uh, which is nice to think of i suppose a nice way of approaching it yeah i i did notice that uh, that's a good point because i did notice that um you know some of the people more of the people i was teaching got into writing uh, you know, as in, as in just making their own music. Mm. A, a lot of people who previously just been, it's like, oh, I'll, I'll learn a couple of my favorite songs and that'll be what I do with guitar. Uh, a lot of them started to go because they're, they're stuck at home and they they missed their friends and everything like that, you know? And, uh, and um, I definitely think that uh, it, it was such a big help for their mental health to be able to be creative with their music and start writing stuff and to, to be able to, you know, send it back and forth and go, oh, how can I develop this idea, you know? Uh, yeah, so I think, um, yeah, you're right that it's, um, and this, you talked about this actually in, uh, who's the guy that had the, uh, the you know, you did, he's got this book called, uh, is it, you know, Metal oh, on uh, Merseyside? Or? Nadim, yeah, my mate Ned, yeah. he wrote the book uh, Metal on Merseyside, ladies yeah, and gentlemen, yeah. that's the previous episode, yeah. We talked a lot about the yeah the pandemic yeah. And stuff like that, yeah about like sort of you know how how the economic conditions have like affected you know um, <clears throat> people's mental health and and what that's led to creatively yeah and um, yeah I mean that's a, another great thing about the metal yeah, scene, it, isn't it? Is uh, it's like yeah, there's no surprise that <clears throat> some of the best metal in the world has come from Birmingham, you know, which is you know yeah. essentially a kind of like a uh, you know, a tough place. It's, it's steel mills and all that type of thing. And it's like, you know, you know, wasn't a particularly easy place to grow up as there's, you know, Aussie and, and, and I've seen and Black Robert. Sabbath talk about this quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah you know. It's naturally like places like Chicago will produce these things in New York with, with, with times of like difficult sociological strife. They will produce these, these, these artists that come from, because I think for me, it starts with as a guitar player. If I hear something in my head, a riff, I have to play it. If I have an idea and then, I want to play it. I want to kind of make a song out of it. Then I want to play it to someone else. Then I want it to play it to a lot of people. Then I want to play it to amps. Then I want to play it. To... And it just is, it's because inside the creative process cannot be shackled. It must be released. You, you want to interact with people. You know, The best gigs are the ones where there's lots of people around you feeling the same way as you do. And you know, that's the day, the best gigs. It's like comedy in a cinema. If lots of people are laughing, turns out you'll probably laugh as well. You know, it just accentuates the experience. And I think that you know, that can't be repressed. That that cannot be repressed. Have you seen that in some of the have you have you taken you've been to shows now since the pandemic? Yeah, well, we've been going to the, the Manchester oh, Metal to the Masses. The Metal to the Masses, yeah. yeah, yeah. Have you noticed that? Have you felt that? Yeah, oh for sure. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. yeah. I think people appreciate it even more now. 
in a, yeah, in a, that, was, that was the hope, wasn't it? That people kind of realised what they didn't have. They're like, shit, there is a local metal scene or a local music scene of any kind. Yeah. I, I, I can go and see a band every night of the week, pretty much. Yeah, you can. Wow, like, you know, this is something that should be embraced and cherished because I think we were afraid that we were, just before the pandemic, the live music scene was in the, the absolute toilets. It was in a really bad place. Yeah. Um, so it's nice that I think people are, are realising what they've got before it's gone, you know? Yeah. yeah, I mean that. Like you know, you mentioned the episode we did with Lucy. That was kind of what that was all all about. And it's kind of you know, mm. use it or lose it, really. Um, and when you know when we did that episode, that was that was an awakening for me. And I, I think I did mention it on the show. Of just like I realized, you know what, I did I was not going to enough live music before the pandemic. So yeah, my, Mike and I go to go to stuff all the time. And um, what's been mm. interesting actually is um, Mike and I both started playing um open mics more um that's you know places where you where you go and and perform i don't mean you know open mic i'm not talking about some sort of kinky sex game that mike and i have <laughs> some kind of a, autopsy thing it's a, a separate <laughs> thing altogether that's a different, <laughs> different that's a different thing yeah we'll, we'll talk about that on a, on a different episode <laughs> those music guys after dark <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's a special for the patrons, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You got to pay for that one. There's open mic night <laughs> yeah, where it's M I C, and then there's open mic night where it's M I K E. Open mic or open mic. But all you say is, I've noticed with those, they've gotten like loads rowdier than they used to be. Yeah. Fucking mint. Like I'm playing. Well, Mike, Mike, and I played one last month in Junior Jackson's in Manchester. Um, which is like an under sort of grimy underground bar. It's fucking cool as fuck. And it was an open mic, but it was a it was a pop punk emo kind of special, you know. So everyone was doing like Green Day and and uh, 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 My Chemical Romance songs, stuff like that. And it was just really fucking loud and dirty. And our mate yeah. Tim that organised it was just like absolutely twatting on a cajon like throughout the entire night while we were playing. And uh, they've got another one this Tuesday, but it's going to be a new metal special. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, fuck it, yes. Inject that shit right into my veins. So, um, <laughs> But yeah, yeah Lucy, Lucy was like, she was fucking pissed, rightly so. And that episode, she was like, look, you know, it ain't just about the pandemic. You know, it was on its ass before then, you know, and, and she was making some fucking great points. And I, I recommend that might be the one to start with. I think it was episode 14, I think it was. Um, the she was like, you know, people saying, oh, why is this venue closing? I went there 20 years ago. Why is it closed now? And you're like, you fucking idiot. You think they're just sitting there waiting for you to come back to this show? You've got to go and fucking get out there and go to see shows as many as you can. Otherwise, these places will go. She was fucking really pissed off. And it did make, like yourself, far like I, I did listen to that thinking, did I go to enough shows last week? Do I have enough shows planned? And it's, you know, because... I think one thing people had pre-pandemic and hopefully they're getting past now is that they only wanted to see shows where it was guaranteed 100% stamp that it was going to be amazing. Mm. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have to take a few bullets here in order for the scene to, to keep going. You're going to have to go to a show and take a chance every once in a while and listen to something that, you know what, these four bands I haven't heard before. They're in a genre maybe I like, but I haven't heard them before. And you know what, three of them might be shit, but one of them might be amazing. And so... Lucy was absolutely right. You know, there was problems before. The pandemic is only a tiny piece of that. Now, it's, you know, the problems still exist. We've still got to get out there. So you guys are based in Manchester. Um, 
what's the scene like? I, I've got my views of what I think it is, but you are actually right in the middle of it. What's the scene musically like, and what's the scene metal like within within Manchester? Well, we most the thing we know most about is the open mic scene and the current metal to the masses thing in Manchester, uh, mm -hmm. and both of those are you know absolutely bumping. You know, uh, everyone is very enthusiastic about it and the quality of the bands is really high uh in, in, in everywhere we go you know i'd say like with the metal to the masses stuff i haven't seen a bad band uh you know yeah. um and you know at the open mics i haven't really seen any bad artists it, it's people are going for it <laughs> yeah yeah I and, mean... and the audience are dead into it yeah it's like i mean again you know we talk we talk about just met like the kind of emotion from metal or like the camaraderie as it, as it were there's something about like metal shows and metal heads that like you go there it's like oh these guys th this is a metal show you know what i mean and everyone fucking like wears that wears it on their sleeve you know what i mean mm. and um I mean, it's funny. I say I'm a metalhead, and then I'll go to a show like that. And I'm like, fuck me, I am not metal at all. <laughs> <laughs> these, these guys are fucking metal. But we've not. I mean, we've not just been going to metal gigs uh, since you know since the pandemic. We've uh, we've been to some other shows, and I was you know like actually like the Square Wild show, um, the festival that they put on. Um, there, yeah, prog and funk and everything. You know, yeah. Was. But fucking brilliant i've been to a couple of like low-key hip-hop ones and um um i haven't been it's funny you saying there like oh you know you might see three shit bands but you might see one good one i haven't seen anything shit even at open mics which is where you're allowed with you know no judgment you can be as shit as you want or just you know shit as you are now i'm like fucking hell even the worst ones are pretty good you know what i mean um yeah. talking about myself there um, and um... bio <laughs> but it's yeah i mean one yeah, of the things yeah, i've mentioned yeah, yeah, yeah. as well is that there's people are now especially because they've been that time to go on the internet and kind of do the research is that the resources are all there so i'll give you an example so you know two three years ago you'd go to see a band and if they had a pop-up of the back or several pop-ups at the back with their band logo on and stuff they were like fucking signed acts they were like fucking you know had been around for a long time now you can look, I think it's something like a band like Ward 16 or something. You can look like a fucking proper full touring band with a proper backdrops and everything and all that fairly cheaply. And you can get, and you can make yourself look amazing fairly easily. And like, then, you know, you look into the merch and it used to be bands used to make t-shirts. Fucking hell. I, the last show I went to band had like all kinds of manner of stuff, stuff I wouldn't have even thought about. USB sticks with the, with the logo. I'm like, what the fuck? It was the, there's all this resource now that bands have just lent the fuck into and just gone, right, okay, well, you can do this. You can have video walls. You can program them and stuff, and you can mess with the lights, and you can do this. So the quality of, of production has just gone right, right the way through the roof, you know? it's like, And now then you talk about, like, sort of open mic things where people now, they've, they've got more ways of recording what they're doing more ways of analyzing what they're doing so the quality of stuff's getting really high because people have lent into the resources that exist there that's really nice to hear that that you've you've seen that in the scene 
Um, because Manchester's a, a glorious city for music and a glorious city for metal. You know, some of the venues there, a friend of mine is is, is working at the, at the Grand Academy, uh, the Grand Central, sorry, um, Robin, and, and he's did, kind of relaunched that. And some yeah. of the venues that I, I adore there, like Rebellion and stuff and things like that, it just, you know, it's a, it's a really great scene, Manchester. It's always on bands touring cycles and rightly so. Yeah, I mean, it's funny you mentioned Rebellion. That, I think, was on the brink of, like... Close, yeah. Yeah, it was on the brink of not even not being a metal club anymore. I think, was it some new owners were coming in and they were going to turn it into a more kind of EDM uh, yeah. venue? And I actually, I don't know what happened because the pandemic happened, like, a month later. So maybe that, maybe yeah. that's why it, it didn't happen or whatever. But now it's like, it's the fucking place to be. if you're in. That's a of- great, that's a great metal venue as well. Like, ladies and gentlemen, I haven't been there in Rebellion. It's like, it's quite a small venue and it's quite, like, high. You know I mean? Like, the lean is quite high and it's like the stages. You can get very, very close to the stage. I remember seeing Monster Magnet there and pretty much being on stage at some points. Like, it was ridiculous. And it's super... Super hot, super uncomfortable, exactly how metal gigs should be. It's like <laughs> fucking really in your face. Everything's kind of on top of you. And, and, and I just remember thinking, this is a fucking great metal venue. So when I saw that it was potentially closed, I, I just looked up who was playing and was like, I've got to get some of these shows now. I've got to get to see somebody. I think Nervosa are, are playing now, coming up as well, and Crypta are supporting them. I think they're I think they're playing Rebellion. It might be Gorilla or Rebellion. I think it's one of the two. Um, something like that. So, yeah, it's a, I mean, now we're all kind of friends, gents, and we can we can talk amongst ourselves nicely. And um, can I raise something that comes up on a couple of shows? And we talked about when I do the live things in 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 Liverpool. Is there is there a divide between Manchester and Liverpool from a music point of view? Well, not that I know of. I mean, I've I've been in in a band with a scouser before, so that that sure. divide gone for me. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, uh, it's been beaten out of me. Uh, yeah. So, um, not that I know of. Uh, I can't remember. I'll tell you, I'll tell you where, where, where it kind of comes from initially is that um, is that on the touring cycle, bands very rarely play Liverpool and tend to choose Manchester. Right. And that sometimes creates a bit of tension and sometimes people are like, well, why don't you play in Liverpool and blah, blah, blah. Like the two scenes can't coexist. And obviously that's ridiculous. You know, where teams, you know, are more people inclined to travel to Manchester than they are travel Manchester to Liverpool. I don't know. What's what, what your thoughts? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, mm. I, I'm not aware of any kind of rivalry or uh, or, mm. or dispute that's going on. I mean, like, you know, Mike said, he's been in a band with Scouser, you know, and some of my best friends have Scouse friends. <laughs> 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 so um i'm not wearing like that in terms of fans touring i was gonna say it, i mean is it just that manchester is more famous globally is that why they choose manchester but then again obviously liverpool has got the biggest band that's ever existed so you feel like you know a band should be like well if we've got to choose between one we it's got to be liverpool so I honestly, I don't know. It, 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 a lot of it's like Ned talks about it in his book about touring cycles. And now, you, you know, if you play Manchester, you can't play Liverpool because the, it will diffuse the ticket sales. They'll be forced to go to one or the other, not both. And um, I, think and I think I think the infrastructure thing is where it kind of comes from. I think like, you know, sort of 
10, 15, maybe longer years ago, I think Manchester invested massively into its music scene. Certainly the arena was massively invested into it and its success was, 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 was part of it. Um, and Liverpool really went kind of more of the, the capital of culture tourism route where yeah. they talked about the Beatles and things like that and famous buildings, but they didn't really invest so much in the music. So I think we were kind of behind and then we fell behind almost enough that bands were like, well, the, the, the arena is now a fully established venue. It's right up there with one of the famous venues in the world. Let's let, let's stick to that. I think it, I think it'll ebb and flow over the next couple of years. I think it'll ebb and flow either way. But I think I agree with you guys. I don't think there is. I think it's just a case of the timing of things. So, you know, I think a band can play Manchester. They can come all around their touring cycle and come back and play Liverpool. And I think it can be worked out. So I think it's a semantics thing. I don't think there's anything more to it. And I, I, I love when when bands from other regions are welcomed into other regions. I think that's a really positive thing. I recently, uh, well, say recently, it was the, the last year for the Metals and the Masses in North Wales. I we, They weren't doing one in Liverpool, so I covered their one. Uh, you know, and I think that that kind of symbiotic relationship can totally exist. I think the division's created by people who don't understand the scene. I think that, I don't think that's, uh, you know, I don't think that's the case at all. I don't think there is a division, but it does come up. The question does come up. Right. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, I went to watch Death Blooms in Manchester. And they, you know, they're yeah, a, the Arts Club, yeah. They're a Scouse band. I uh, saw them at, at Gulliver's and that, yeah. that, was a sold, that was a sold out gig. And yeah. um, they were doing a Liverpool show on that tour. So, yeah. you know, and I think both both sold out. I think so. I think a, a band of kind of like their level, they're mm. not they're not really going to have a problem with playing both because the Manc fans will go to the Manchester one, the Scouse fans will go to the Liverpool one. If you're a massive band, if you're Metallica uh, and you're you play the Ma- Manchester Arena and the Liverpool Arena again, I think there's enough fans in both cities to sell both of them out. Um, yeah. Might just be a fair. It might just be yeah, I completely unfounded fear like mm. i mean i can understand that being like don't play manchester and stockport say really <laughs> okay. yeah because they are pretty much the same same city um uh, mm. well, manchester an hour away from each other and as we know unlike in america brits don't like to travel for good <laughs> no it's yeah, when like, you speak to your american mates yeah jb well, talking like from fall and void based in in in, in, uh, in, in kind of washington and, in, and around Virginia and stuff. And he was like, you know, the average show time to travel is three or four hours because he drives across state or interstate or whatever. And I was like, that would never happen in the UK. People will not travel three hours back for a show. It's very rare that happens. That would have to be like a special big like reunion show of like... <laughs> yeah. Or like if it was a smaller band, you'd have to be an absolute diehard fan to go. Yeah. You know, to, to, to go and do that. But I just want to follow up on um, a point you made. I know I mentioned the Beatles being the biggest band ever, so why isn't you know Liverpool like the event, the place to go to? But then you mm. mentioned about like the focus on the sort of city culture aspects of it. And um, again, Andrew Pinbot talks about this once of like, and um, no shade to the Beatles, obviously amazing, but it does feel sometimes like um, there is this obsession where like, it's like that's the only thing that Liverpool's got. Um, I'm not saying that yeah. isn't the only thing they've got, but you, you hear about it like you know, like they're talking about it was recently actually. It was the culture secretary saying, you know, building some sort of Beatles, investing millions to build like a Beatles museum, I think. And it's like, yeah. like, who 
fucking hell, yeah, that's really <laughs> money well spent. Instead of instead of investing don't in need more, yeah. venues, instead of investing in like grassroots music, yeah, just do another fucking shrine to the Beatles. And I think yeah. Manchester has been at risk, although I don't think we're quite there yet. And maybe the pandemic stopped happening, but we've been at risk, I feel, of going that way with uh, the Manchester scene and uh, right. being just a bit too obsessed with past yeah. clubs that haven't, you know, that have fought. Interesting. Um, it seems to have died off a little bit, um, mm. which I think is a good thing. Um, not dissing Manchester. There was some great, great music that came out of that. But, you know, when you're so... Yeah, our very first episode actually is the nonsense of nostalgia, just focusing so much on the past and not focusing yeah. on what's fucking now and what can what we can have in the future. So maybe that's playing a part, just a bit too obsessed with the Beatles and Jerry and the Pace. It's yeah. funny that, yeah, um, because uh, like uh, a lot of uh, kids that I teach, their their parents will be expecting them to get dead into Oasis. And if they're into heavier music, a lot of the time, you know, their, their parents are still kind of stuck in this mad, Madchester sort of mode where they're like, oh, they're coming to lessons, like, oh, yeah, can you get him to to play some uh, Stain Roses or something? Uh, mm. And the, the kid might want to play something heavier, you know, that that, that comes up a lot. Um, I don't, you know how you're saying about uh, how the, the, in, the investment has gone into uh, more into making Liverpool like, um, you know, a, a centre for culture? I don't know if this plays any role in it at all, but it, every band in Manchester, at some point, they've had a rehearsal room in an old mill. So Manchester's got a fuck ton of mills left over mm. from, from the Industrial Revolution, and Liverpool's got docks, you know. So it's interesting. I, yeah. I mean, what, what's the you know like what's the go-to old building that you where all your rehearsal rooms are in Liverpool? Because in Manchester, yeah. it's mills, you know. You make yeah, a, you make a great point there. That's interesting about the kind of yeah, like so we've, we've got we've like, got cheap space to we because it might be just we yeah. don't know how lucky we are. We've got this. We've got all these yeah. massive old industrial buildings that are out the way, and there's hundreds of rehearsal rooms in them, and they're mm. and they're cheap. You know, where where, where do you go in Liverpool? Like, well, it's it, it's interesting, yeah, because you you talk about Manchester. And, like famously, you have the Hacienda, which people who listen to this podcast from other countries may be aware of. You know, kind of the Happy Mondays and that type of thing. That was. That, that was built from factory space. That's from, yeah. you know, the industrial revolution and that's everything. We had that, you're absolutely right. We had storage places for mills and things like that before they went to places like Manchester and, 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 and beyond and, and, and Sheffield and things like that. And it was the docks. And so we've got loads of big buildings with, with lots of spaces. So for example, crash studios in the city center, that used, that was like townhouses and kind of places for workers and, and storage and that thing. And lots of metal bands. Yeah, that's that's a very much a go-to practice spot. It never really occurred to me until you said that, yeah, that that, that there is a, a mechanism, there is a, a, an ecology type of thing to it about that. I think that's completely true. And I think that, yeah, the episode where you talk about nostalgia is really funny because it is like, you know, looking back is you should only very do it very briefly, you know, very briefly look behind you because it really can fuck up the front. Because, like, like I was saying, if you, if you completely invest in the Beatles, that's great for the Beatles and probably great for the city as well. But you could line up all four of the Beatles and say, listen, the money that's invested in this can keep four venues open that we're going to close. What do you want to do? And you know what they're going to say. They're going to say to keep those venues open. And you're right about the Oasis thing and the, the Manchester thing is that that was kind of the tail end of the Stone Roses and what happened and that's everything in Oasis. And, you know, and hopefully people can see the beginning of that with New Order and Joy Division and things like that. But 
it needs to become something else now. What's the next thing? And the weight of that can sometimes suppress the, the, the talent and suppress the music that comes from it. I think, yeah, I think the, 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 the geography of a, of, a, of a city really does, it does, doesn't it? It really plays a part, not just the weather and pollution and, and, and the sociological state of it and the economy, but also the buildings and the actual geography can really make it be a factor. It's interesting. I never occurred to yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it all totally plays a part. I mean, you hear it again. You know, go back to hip hop. If you, um, if you look, especially in, with like U.S. hip hop, you've got like your West Coast, which is just like all really chill because obviously it's really sunny and no one's in a rush or anything like that. And then you've got like Eminem, who's in this fucking massive industrialized um, hustle and bustle Detroit. So his shit is like way way more kind of fast paced and stuff like that and then you've got Wu-Tang Clan who are you know they're, they're from <clears throat> rough and rough and ready New York when New York was rough and ready and like you hear it in the music it's aggressive as fuck yeah I think you you want that because it seems to be when you when you form a band and you gentlemen will know when you form a band and you, you play music you take all your influences, and we think of those influences being musical ones. You take all those influences, I like this, this band, this band, this band, so I'll put it together. All the people who play in that band, you put all those pieces together, you sprinkle a little bit of yourself, and that's what comes out, and then that defines that, and that, that is your personality. We also need to put a little bit of a spin on the fact that it can be the area that you're in as well. That can that can play a, a part on it. You know, if it's always raining, if it's always sunny, if it's difficult times, if it's, you know... All this as well kind of forms these things. I think that's a, a great thing, though, to wear your influences both sociologically and musically on your sleeve. I think it's a, a great thing. You know, I think that's a that's one of the things that helps music evolve, right? That's, you know, if we didn't have that, if everybody lived in the same beautiful utopia, music would probably suck, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, that, that it's, you, we were talking about this before, weren't we, with, uh, with Birmingham, you know, like... Um, I've, I've, because it always comes up. I remember I've watched a few interviews with Black Sabbath talk about this, mm-hmm. where they'd seen what mainstream rock and roll was like at the time, and it was all like celebrity culture and, you know, very glamorous. And, you know, they're saying that is not the reality that we were living in growing up in, in an industrial town, you know. And that's where the, the sound of Black Sabbath comes from. It's just this sense of impending doom, you know. <laughs> That, that that comes from like uh there's there's maybe not um there's not a, a a lot of opportunities that they could see for themselves and and that that's where that sound came from hmm. so yeah i mean I, I guess it's that is it is that do you reckon that's a thing that it's uh you know industrial type towns that come you know ha- have <laughs> a thriving metal scene or yeah, I think yeah. I think what I'm what I'm kind of leaning to now, the more I talk about it, is that it comes to do with experiences. So let's take let's take the the song Black Sabbath by Black Sabbath on the first Black Sabbath album called Black Sabbath, right? So I love how many times you just said Black Sabbath then. Good. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know, it's like you get you you get a Tony Iommi cuts his fingers off. The, the tips of his fingers off in an industrial accident. So because of that, he plays with heavier gauge and plays heaviest things, power chords, and that kind of shapes the way he sounds. Ozzy, not that great a singer, but you know, kind of really into the the, the what he was trying to do blues wise. So that's his vocal thing. You get Bill Ward, who really liked a bit of his jazz a little bit. 
You get all that. You place it in Birmingham, where they're going to be singing about stuff that's fucking miserable. But the catalyst for it is they go to see a film called Black Sabbath, and people and they talk about being want to make scary music. Think about all those things, all those points that led to that. I, I think that's a fantastic thing that can happen. What I'm saying is that you know this is the reason you should listen to not just metal, but other forms of music, but also go and see other forms of entertainment as well, because you don't know which line is going to pull in to be that Black Sabbath riff that eventually defines a genre and a band and an era. You know, yeah. They're all out there. You're right. And the connection isn't always musical, you know, because mm. you just mentioned to- Tony's fingers. Mm. And he thought it was, he thought his guitar playing days were, were fucking done, man, when he cut, when he cut his hand. Uh, but his his mate put him on to Django Reinhardt, yeah, so yeah. you you know so he's obviously and that that got him back into playing. He's like you know I can fucking do it if if Django's doing it with two fingers, yeah. And uh, that's where that's where shredding comes from, you know. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. Like all... You talk about the, the the adversarial nature of that. Like think about that. So think about Tony Iommi get in his band. Band just coming up. He really loves guitar tips of his fingers get cut off he's like anybody else would have been like fuck that then i'll that's it i'm not playing guitar anymore go back to django and django has his uh, his fingers two two fingers burnt in a fire and he only has two fingers and he's like i'm a gypsy jazz guitar player i need more fingers than i've got and i've been reduced to two yeah Suddenly starts writing these incredible runs and starts to use the fact that he's only got two fingers and it defines a gypsy jazz movement yeah. you know and, 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 and... So, and what have gypsy jazz guitar and metal guitar got in common? It's those, it's those chromatic yeah. phrases. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I've, I've, I reckon that that's been a big part of it is Tony Iommi feels this connection to Django Reinhardt because they're in the same boat in different generations. Mm-hmm. And that's where metal now has all these intricate kind of little chromatic and uh, tense sounds that come from all these little diminished arpeggios and things like that. You know, you can hear that transition from, you know, uh, where pre, you know, everything pre Black Sabbath, all the heavy stuff is is blues orientated. And then suddenly you get these very sort of clean, rhythmic, uh, you know, very tense sounds that I, I reckon Tony's brought that in from, from yeah. Django, you know, because yeah. they have that connection where he's mm-hmm. like, you know, that he kept, he's the one who, meant that I would keep this going, you know. Um and you can still hear that now, you know, like if you it's like uh you, you know, when you when you look at a, a metal solo written out, it's got a lot of Django Reinhardt in there. And I reckon that's that connection there. T- t- it's t- it, Django, it's yeah. one of the things that I think metal, if it deserves its prop for anything, it deserves that it is all about working and championing and overcoming adversity, be it like in the city you are doesn't help you or doesn't yes. support you. You know, if the the, the you have an accident or, some, or something, is it's all about overcoming adversity. I think it's one of the most powerful things about music in general. Yeah, you know, for the, real, man. The, the, you know, the, the, yeah, completely. That it is something that can help you get through. You know, some periods of incredible adversity. You know, um, which sounds re- we we've gone really serious, ladies and gentlemen. You're talking about <laughs> chromaticism. And the the adversarial survival ship of metal. Um, yeah, this is. I mean, we'll get. We'll, we'll obviously get uh, the guys on again because the podcast will run and run. I, I I definitely think that will happen. How are you finding recording it now? How are you finding it's changing? And what is the things that you kind of want to do with the show now? 
Well, we're we've for one thing is we want to be a bit more consistent with it, um, yeah. because we have we we basically do it when we've kind of got time really um sure. because we, we you know we both teach guitar we're both playing function bands we've both got our own original music that we're working on and stuff like that um but we've um we've we've made a commitment to each other recently to say like yeah let's actually start doing um more consistent episodes so we're going to start doing two a month and having more guests on uh we've got the um you know we're going to be doing like the kind of like i said artist band spotlight uh, mm. which really looking forward to and then still also want to get more guests on to just kind of shoot the shit like we've done today um and you know just see where things go maybe have a specific topic that you know if we get a quote expert on it or someone you know who feels passionate about a specific thing um to come on uh and and and, and talk about that um and then still keep like the kind of core episodes where it's just me and mike you know doing our doing our uh, our triad of of topics uh do you want to add anything to that mike um well episode you know doing things like this is it sort of strengthens the the community aspect of it which which is something i'm looking forward to more um and i think for, for me the original uh thing that i wanted that i that i thought i could help with was that i feel like anyone who doesn't do music full-time in some capacity uh, especially as they get older, you know, because that's because we are getting older, aren't we? <laughs> you know, uh, so, <laughs> especially uh, as people get older and they're working full time in something that's not music um, and they might have families and stuff or whatever. They tend to not have time to check out new music. And I was like, well, I'll do that for you, you know, and I'll I'll just uh, and w- whatever genre you're into, I will have something that I've been listening to that week for you, you know, and mm-hmm. I think that that's that's something we want to do uh, you know a lot more of for for people so that's good for the you know for for people who maybe used to be dead into music when they were younger and like uh they feel like they've lost that we want hopefully want to bring that back um and uh you know at the same time hopefully to help young bands and 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 new artists uh to to get you know to to reach people who might be into them you know so if there's people listening now that would like to uh, be either in a band and they'd like to come on the show or be mentioned on the show or that they'd like to be, you know, there's, there's someone who'd like to be coming on as a guest, how's the, the best way to get in touch with you? Is it through which social media do you prefer or would you like me to put up an email address? Uh, what would oh, you prefer? And, we, we, any really. Yeah, we, okay. do have, we do have an email address that, that they can email. Uh, um, they can contact those music guys at hotmail.com. Um, <laughs> They can email, hang on, let me just check. I've got the, right, I always forget. But yeah, you can email far at farcorderonmusic.com. Uh, sure. Or to check out, I mean, we're on our socials all the time. I'm music, F-A-C-A-U-D-W-E-L-L, um, music, um, on Insta- mainly on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, Mike, your socials? Well, yeah, yeah. Uh... Because I have like my last name Grubert G R U B E R T, like not there's not many Mike Gruberts, so you can just Google that and you'll find maybe my website, my Facebook, my Insta, or something like that. Uh, so yeah, you can get in touch with me through through any of those, and it, it all it all comes through to the same phone, so we're all good. Uh, yeah, I think and we are, we are open to everyone, you know. 
Yeah, I think that's one of the great things, ladies and gentlemen, about this uh, this podcast, and that I strongly urge you go through and check out is that um, you you start a journey with these two gentlemen. That you know, this is the, each episode. You don't know what you're going to get. You what, what are we talking about? And that's really interesting to me, you know. And I, and I like that it'll give me an opportunity to listen to bands that I wouldn't normally listen to, which is always fantastic. We've talked about how getting your influences from everywhere is incredibly important. I, I look forward to the next show, and um, I think I think. Uh, uh, I'll manage to get through everything. I think my goal is to listen to get to every show by the end of, of next week. I think I probably will. But uh, ladies and gentlemen, we'll get them on again, um, no doubt. Um, it's been really nice to sit with uh, with Far and Mike from those music guys. Uh, thanks for coming on the show, guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah, and thank you. This has been amazing. Yeah. 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 <laughs>
Val and Mike there from Those Music Guys, a brand new podcast I suggest checking out. I've been listening to a lot of the episodes. I think I'm near the end of, of all the ones that they put up. Put up. Fabulous, really, really funny, uh, interesting, and it uh, walks a nice line between sometimes being comedic and, and, and laughing and joking to some very serious topics and some very interesting insights. I'm really enjoying it. I suggest you do as well. Uh, it's Those Music Guys, if you want to check them out, and actually I'll be posting links I really hope you enjoyed this show. And once again, if you are hosting a podcast and would like me to come on as a guest or would like to come on the Spoken Metal Show, please get in touch. As always, thanks for listening, and I'll see you at the show.